Amen. Wow. Let's have our seats. Are you ready to go? One of you, praise the Lord. If there were just but one. We're going to jump right into Scripture this morning. I've got three very quick points, if you can bear with me, and have your ears hit to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us as a church. We're going to begin with Paul speaking to Timothy. Uh, Paul was a real pastor to Timothy, and uh, he was a real son in the ministry and gave him lots of good advice. So we're going to look into uh, what Paul said to Timothy. Second, I want to look at an example uh, of a woman who came to Jesus who had real simple faith and trusted and believed in him. Then I want to finish with um, Jesus' simple idea of uh, following him. I mean, how simple can that be? (laughs) Just follow me. You see, we'll begin with Paul. Paul treated uh, Timothy like his own son. He wrote to him and said to him, Be mindful of what is really important, to live simply and to preach a simple gospel. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. He says this, The first thing I want you to do is to pray. I mean, it doesn't get more simple than that. Sometimes we can overcomplicate things. And uh, Paul says to Timothy, listen, guys, you just need to pray. And then he continues, he says, pray in every way you know how. Pray for everyone you know. Pray especially for the rulers and their governments to rule well so we can quietly go about our business of living simply in humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior God wants us to live. He wants us to live with him simply. For some, they want a more complicated answer. They want the deep theological answer, saying, okay, let me fully understand everything, and then I'll be happy. But here Paul's saying, just pray. Just pray. And some are not satisfied with that. They want something more complicated. Or maybe you view prayer as some religious activity or You know people have made it so complicated when they pray. You think, man, I can't pray like that person, so what's the point? And then we feel inadequate in our prayers, and then we feel guilty because we haven't prayed enough. And, you know, if you're hearing this message as condemnation, that's not my heart. But Paul says, just pray. Just pray in every way you know how. Pray for those in authority. Because we want to be getting about the business of preaching the gospel. We want to get about living the gospel. And we don't want any hindrances to this. So let's pray for those in authority. And we know prayer at its most basic level is talking. Talking to our Heavenly Father. Having that communication. And relationships thrive on good communication, don't they? And when we're talking to our Father God, we can talk to Him about things that He's passionate about. What is God passionate about? You know, what does God love? What is God in the business about? Because that's what I want to talk to to God about. We'll continue, verse 7. This is what God wants. He wants everyone saved. Everyone to to know the truth that we have learned, that there is one God. There is only one, and one mediator between God and us, Jesus Christ himself. And he gave himself in exchange 
for everyone that was held captive in sin. I tell you, if we understand, if we truly understand how people are held captive by sin, we would want to preach a message that would set them free. This and this only, he says, has been my appointed work. Getting the news to those who've never heard, never heard of God and explaining how it works by simple faith and plain truth. Let's not overcomplicate things. God loves us. God loves the hurting. God loves people. And when we begin to hear the heart of God for people, like Jesus went around doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And I tell you, God's with us. And God wants us to just simply live in that kind of simple truth, the plain truth of God, and say, you know what? God loves you, and he wants the best for you. That simple faith, that plain truth, that's the way God wants us to live. But we've complicated our lives, haven't we? With all the stuff that we have. You know, the more stuff we have, the more complicated our life gets. But God wants to live with simplicity of heart. I had a look at what that word means. In another translation, instead of simplicity, it talks about the singleness of mind. Keeping our lives simple means that we stay focused. And focus, when we focus, it means we're aiming towards something. We have purpose. You know those early disciples? They weren't called Christians to begin with. They were called followers of the way. I love that. What way are you following? I'm following Jesus' way. That's my simple focus. That's my aim in life. That's my purpose. That's my direction. And everyone that wasn't following the way, it was because they were lost. You see, how could people be lost? I tell you, so many people are lost today because they have no purpose, no aim, no direction, no singleness of mind to focus them and bring them into relationship with God. My second example. See, I'm moving through them very quickly this morning. We see from Luke chapter 8, we see the story of this this woman, and uh, she was desperate to see Jesus, desperate to meet Jesus. And we see Jesus was walking, and the crowds around him, and the people gathered around him. And in the crowd, there was this weak, timid, dying woman who reached out, and touched Jesus Christ. And when she did, her life was completely, utterly, amazingly, permanently transformed. But what do we know about this woman? We know her problem. We know that she suffered from an issue of blood. What does that mean? Well, we know maybe she was hemorrhaging in some way, some part of her body. But whatever it was that caused this hemorrhage, it made this woman very sick. This constant flow of blood would have caused untold suffering, suffering physically from blood loss. You know, I'm not a physician or doctor, but I imagine if you're losing blood, you're weak, you're anemic. She could have been pale, very sick, lack of uh, no energy. Everything would be an effort. Every single thing that she does would just wear her out. She'd suffered medically. She'd gone to the doctors time and time, and the remedies of there, it says they, she suffered under their care. She suffered financially. She'd spent all she had on doctors that couldn't help her. She'd suffered socially. You know, maybe 
Maybe she wasn't able to have a relationship with somebody. Maybe she was seen as an outcast. You know she couldn't fellowship with others. Life was very difficult. She suffered emotionally. The Bible says that she'd had this for 12 years. 12 years of loneliness, isolation, desperation, begging for scraps, distant in society, kept on the fringe. No one wanted to spend any time with her. Under the law, she suffered religiously. If you had an issue of blood, it meant that you were unclean. And being unclean, that she, she was considered this outcast, and anyone who touched her or came near her would also be considered unclean. Shunned by the religious people. Shunned by everybody socially. Challenged medically, physically, emotionally. Is there anything else that could be wrong with this poor woman? But one thing she believed in her whole heart that she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, that's enough for me. Somehow she'd heard about Jesus. It doesn't tell us how. But somehow she knew she just had to get to him. And the determination and single-mindedness that she had made her able to push through the crowd. She displayed the singleness of mind, the focus that drove this woman despite her suffering and her pain to push through with faith, to aim at something with determination. And that's the key, isn't it? To have an aim. If you're not aiming at something, you're not going to hit it. And even if you do aim at it, you may not hit it, but the chances are increased. But we're not aimless. We're not directionless. We have purpose. It says if you aim at one thing and aim well, it mitigates against the suffering of our lives. What are we suffering with? Maybe that suffering has become the focus of all our attention. Maybe that's all we can see. Maybe we can't see beyond our own pain. This is why we pray. This is why we live simply. This is why we have focus. This is why we have direction. This woman took a great risk. Maybe if she'd been recognized out in public, she would have been humiliated and ridiculed, but she thought, hey, it's worth taking the risk. And she believed. She had that simple faith, that determination. By the very nature of her disease, it would have taken all her energy just to drag herself out of bed and get there. But I bet she was glad she did. When she got near enough, she reaches out her hand and she touches the hem of her garment. And in that instant, she received what all the doctors, what all the things that she'd spent her money on could not provide for her. All those painful remedies that just were not working and she was healed. And she was a different woman. I tell you, a touch from Jesus can make a difference in our lives. Is that not true? We see many people were touching Jesus that day. When Jesus turned around and said to his disciples, who touched me? His disciples are like, you're kidding, right? Everybody's touching you. And he said, there's a difference. There's a touch of faith. I'd like to think that, you know, all of us here, we come into church, don't we? We all hear the same songs. We all hear... The same word. But do we engage with faith? 
Wouldn't it be a shame if we went home today without getting that touch from Jesus? And sometimes it's to do with us, isn't it? What's our attitude? We can all view the same situation, but those with faith perceive it differently. What do you believe? What was your expectation when you came to church this morning? My third point. You know, Jesus had compassion for people. He saw people maybe in a different way that we see people. I don't know about you, but I, when, I, when I walk through the, the town in Ely, you know, I, I, I maybe have somewhere I need to be, but somehow I always get stopped on the way. I always see somebody I know and I just sit and, and I chat with them and talk with them. And I know others, you know, when they go to town, they're single-minded, aren't they? They're focused and they get in there. You know, it's the difference between some people when they're shopping and some people when they're looking. Um, how many windows they need to shop for, I don't know. But, you know, they shop for these windows, don't they? And they're distracted and they're just different things and they end up buying the first thing they saw after they've been through six different shops and tried everything on. Have you ever been there? Yeah, 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 I've, I've been there. Um, I've done that myself actually. But you know, there's a difference when you're single-minded, you walk in the shop and out of the shop and you've got what you want. But I don't tend to do that either. I tend to just stop and chat to everybody on the way. I forget what the point was. Jesus saw people, didn't he? And he had compassion. He saw them. And when he saw this woman, he said to her, this is Luke chapter 8, verse 48. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now go in peace. And I believe Jesus took her from a place of wanting simple healing into a place of peace, into a place of salvation. Jesus saw the individuals like her, but he saw the crowds, didn't he? And he had that compassion. This is my third and final point. He saw the crowds. Matthew 9, verse 36. He saw the crowds and he had compassion for them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus noticed people. He noticed when the power of God came out of him. He noticed when people had faith Jesus was that good shepherd, wasn't he, that took care of the sheep and he enables them to grow, be strong and be healthy. He's the kind of shepherd that would give his life for the sheep and enable them and empowered people who followed him to be like him. And that's my final point, isn't it? Come follow me. Some of us would say, well, where, <laughs> I'll follow you, but where are you going? No, he says, just come follow me. He said, well, well, give me a job, give me something to do, and give me the details. How many like details before they commit to anything? And Jesus simply says, no, come on, follow me. To the fisherman, he said, come follow me, and I will make you. If our job is to simply follow him, and the making is his. I love that. Empower us to simply follow him and then he will make us. Where are you going? Disciples didn't have a clue, did they? 
They didn't know one day for the next what Jesus would do. You know, to wake you imagine them waking up in the morning, what is he going to do today? What would Jesus do? Would we gate crash a funeral like we did yesterday? That was fun and dangerous. Would we spit on the ground and put mud in someone's face? Would we ride out a storm and meet some crazy psycho person that seemed to want to kill us? Or perhaps we'd go to the market and get a whip and start beating people. What an adventure. We were there just trying, trying to sell animals, trying to change money. And Jesus was like, no, we're having none of that. There was a never dull moment for those who followed Jesus. Others would turn up just because there was some food on offer. Some would turn up just because they had a problem and Jesus was their fixer. But I think Jesus wants to fo- us to follow him every day. That that's our first thought, that Jesus, I just want to follow you. I want to come to you not just because I have a need or there's a problem in my life or not just because uh, I show up when things are difficult, but I want to show up in the good times. I think Jesus wants us to stay with him. This is why he says, I want to make my home in you. I want to be a resident. I don't want you just to dip in and out. I want you to be with me. John 14 verse 23 says, If people love me, they will obey my teaching and my Father and I will come and make our home with them. God wants us to stay. Staying staying in is the place where we find strength. Staying in is the place that we bear fruit and fruit that remains. They would flock to Jesus in their thousands, looking for a touch, looking for something. And Jesus saw them as weary, as scattered, as no direction, as hopeless and helpless. Harassed, that scripture said. Do we see people the way Jesus sees people? Could we say, come, follow me as I follow Jesus? There's so many today suffering And if they're not suffering, they're only one step from someone who is suffering. Maybe with depression, anxiety, stress, scattered and helpless. Maybe our job is to pick up the mantle of Jesus and to give people hope and direction. And how we do this? The Holy Spirit will help us. God says to the weary, come to me. Eat and drink. Find rest for your soul." And our job is to nurture people, to help people. Scripture says it's vain to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows like so many are today. But Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, we can labor in vain. If we're building something, if we're working on our own thing and we're just focused on ourselves, you know, we're not building the Lord's house. It says, come on, build my house and I'll do it. And the Lord guards the city, the watch, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay up in vain. Let God be the one to help us. You know, we need to be in a, a good, strong position, don't we, to be able to help others. And we need to know where our strength comes from. We need to know where our help comes from. We don't want to be the ones that are directionless and purpose, 
purpose, purposeless. We want to be purposeful. We want to be that example, don't we? So let's draw our strength from him. How do we do that? Simple faith, single-mindedness, focused, connected, and following Jesus. Simple faith says that God is looking out for me even when I'm sleeping. I love Psalm 121, verse 3 and 4. It says, God never sleeps or slumbers. God works the night shift, another translation says, while we sleep. This is why we have to pray. And maybe it's difficult for us to pray because we're used to trying to figure everything out ourselves. Maybe we've just suffered for so long we just don't see any way through. Maybe we think we can handle it. But God says, I want you to put your simple faith and trust in me. Maybe that means to let go of some things. Scripture says in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. But maybe our cares have become part of us. Maybe we don't want to let go of all the things because maybe that, that care, that worry, that anxiety has become our identity and we don't want to let it go. Maybe it's hard to put things in God's hands. Because what happens if I don't hold this all together? You know, the world's going to fall apart. How about we let go and let God and trust in him and say, God, I know I can't do this. Matthew 6, verse 31. I am closing with this one. Jesus teaching his disciples. He says, don't worry and say, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? The people who don't know God keep trying to get all these things. But your Father in heaven knows you need them. So what do we do? We seek first the kingdom of God and what God wants. Then all these other needs will be met. That's a revolutionary way of thinking, isn't it? Because naturally... We want to hold on to everything. Naturally, we, want to, we care about these things because these aren't just things. These are, they're people attached to these things. And to let go and trust God just seems to be one of the hardest things to do. But he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Each day has its own trouble. Isn't that the truth? But can I trust God for today? Can I say, God, I give you my today. I give you my now. I give you all the things that I'm holding, all the things that are burdening me, all the things that are weighing me down, I give to you and I trust in you. Jesus' advice is take one day at a time, look at the birds. They don't worry but God looks after them all. They don't have food in the cupboard. They don't have money in the bank, but God looks after them. Maybe it's that we find God in the simplicity of life, in the singleness of mind. Maybe we find God in the simple things that we actually miss Him. 
I wonder how many people missed Jesus, the Creator, because He came in a human package. Perhaps they missed the Lord of glory. Perhaps if they hadn't, they wouldn't have crucified Him. But we overcomplicate things. We miss out on the simple things. We over-spiritualize things when God says, come on, pray. Yeah, but Charles, I've got this to deal with. I've got that to deal with. You don't understand. If I don't carry it, everything's going to fall apart. Pray. Pray. You come to the pastor and you look, solving everything, and the pastor says, pray. Have you prayed about it? Oh, no, I didn't didn't think to do that. Pray. Let's not overcomplicate things. Let's not over-spiritualize our prayers. Follow me. Learn from me. If you do what I've asked, follow me. I'll come and make my home in you. You want Jesus in your life? You want the Father God in your life? Maybe this is too simple. You know, with following Jesus in the simple things, you're making a cup of coffee for someone. You're not just making a coffee, you're making friends, you're connecting. Even in the simple things, we can find God. We can find Him. Pray. Number one, pray. Number two, have that singleness of mind. Have that focus. Have that simple faith. And then finally, follow me. Simply follow Jesus. I'm going to invite the band and we're going to sing our final song. And as we do, I just want us to be in that mindfulness of prayer, that attitude of prayer right now. Maybe there's things you need to just let go and let God. Maybe you've been walking your own path and you need to say, listen, I need to follow Christ. I need to turn my life around and I need to follow you. You can trust him. You can trust in Jesus Christ. living Saviour.